Welcome to The Great Indoors. And today, we're in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Thank you, Olivia, for inviting us here. Olá a todos. Um grande prazer recebê-los para o FutureCon 2022, um momento muito esperado por todos. E este ano em especial, tivemos o Great Indoors podcast liderado pelo Matthew Roberts pela primeira vez no Brasil. Aproveitem. Well, thank you very much, Olivia. This is our first episode from FutureCom in Sao Paulo. So buckle up, let's get started. Yep, we're still here in Sao Paulo, Brazil, recording some conversations at FutureCom. And I've been joined by a multitude of guests from across Brazil. And I'm also here with my entire color team, including my producer for these special shows, Lorraine Rulli. Thank you, Lorraine. Now, this is the second in these Brazilian special edition episodes featuring the incredible conversations that we captured at Brazil's biggest telecoms and technology show. And in this episode, the final episode for 2022, I'll be speaking with Paolo Rufino, the author of 6G, The Road to the Future Wireless Technologies 2030. And we'll be talking about 6G, strangely enough, <laughs> including the biggest distinguishing elements between that and 5G. I then sit down with Hermano Pinto Jr. Now, the interesting thing about Hermano is he is the creator of Futurecom, the father, if you will. And Hermano shares his perspective on recent technological innovations that have touched him personally, as well as how he can continue to bridge the digital divide here in South America. So today's big question on TGI in Brazil is, is it too early to start talking about 6G? So let's get going. Paulo, so you're here to talk about 6G. You've just published a book on 6G. For our listeners, there's a lot of talk about 5G. The race to 5G is on in the United States. What to you is the biggest distinguishing element between 6G and, and 5G as we move forward? In short, is the motivation. 6G is uh, being discussed in all the research and development is focused on a human-centric network. How we can provide a human-centric network that really look into issues that we need to resolve right now. And unfortunately, with the technology we have, we're still lacking other parts to complement, to add up and solve those issues. For instance, sustainable development goals are important aspects that technologies, wireless technologies can resolve. Recently, we came up from a pandemic situation. We saw how important it is to have wireless communications and mobile broadband communications across the globe, right? That protect many people. Many people could go working from home, protect themselves. But a part of this, we have almost 50% of our world population without access to mobile communications. They cannot access to internet. They are fragile, so we need to provide this new framework. And 6G is not just about speed. It's more than that. It's looking to AI, how AI can be applied to solve real problems. With the support of the Wireless Communication Foundation, which 5G is built upon it. And I think this is one of the things we've seen in the United States, is the 5G fixed wireless access 
which Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile in particular are having huge successes with right now. They're reaching rural communities. They're reaching underserved populations to bridge that digital divide. So I think 5G is, it has started that process, right? Of like you said, what can this technology do for humanity? So 6G is is an extension of that. It's looking at the deployment of these new networks in the light of what's good for society. Exactly. And also there is um, the World Economic Forum. So in Davos, and I was there this year, they already issued some publications about, uh, for instance, Industry 4.0, right? Because it's one of the frameworks of 5G. 5G will provide this opportunity for industrial IoT. However, there are many things that we need to solve. For instance, jobs that will disappear. What are we going to do with that? And also the world population is aging. How are we going to provide a technology that will look after us? So we are talking about us and then projecting the next 10 years when the new technology 6G will come up. So we need to start thinking about this. And that's the framework. 5G is thinking about to have a cognitive network. As, in, as you mentioned, Matthew, so how to really turn this technology into a ubiquitous network. By December now, the world population will reach 8 billion people on Earth. More than 50% of our population do not have access to mobile broadband, do not have access to internet. How we can bridge that gap? We saw the pandemic. We need to protect people. We need to evolve, provide well-being to our society. And we need to start thinking the technology point of view to foster this well-being across our society. So let's talk about it technically then. I think the ethos behind it is clear. I think there's a huge move for tech for good now, like you said, driven by the pandemic. It's interesting that a lot of the service providers almost have now, they feel an obligation to protect the communities they serve. But when we look at 5G as a technology and we explain it to anyone, we talk obviously about high speed. We talk about low latency. We talk about the economics of being able to connect more devices. From a technical perspective, what does 6G add from a if you will, a features and functions perspective. So we can start, for instance, from the data throughput, right? From one gigabit per second to the high peak of one terabit per second, which is huge, especially for special networks, because we are talking about 5G now. The 5G created the prototype, the foundation for network slicing. And 6G will be the same. You're going to have a private networks with private KPIs, different flavors of 6G serving different types of services, autonomous vehicles, okay, flying cars, um, you name it, all right? And uh, on top of this, also the important aspects, people and uh, engineer, researchers, scientists are looking at it, it's artificial intelligence, quantum computation. So quantum computing is a very important part of this aspect because people are studying how we can use quantum computing as a service in the cloud to propel new solutions on top of 6G. And for the first time, we're going to have KPIs, real green KPIs for a wireless networks. So there are discussion, for instance, for OZO, for one terabit, for one terabit that you transmit uh, to have the, the spending of one job. So 
interesting. So we have to measure and create so many things. The infrastructure will be great. Plus the technology, because we'll be heterogeneous networks. We're going to have optical wireless communications, no line of sight, light communicating with us. And we are moving to the spectrum of the, the radio frequency that it's uh, powerful, but also we need to mitigate because the range is not large. So terahertz, uh, you need to do things. So we're going to have massive MIMO. So to mitigate, but MIMO itself only will not resolve. You mentioned about some telco and infrastructure. Infrastructure will be the key. We need to continue governments and private companies invest in the foundation of fiber. Otherwise, doesn't matter, just the front hall. Back hall needs to be looked at it. Yeah. Now, one of the other interesting things about 5G and when we look about uh, look at 5G, what we're seeing from a use case perspective, the use case is driven by a number of technologies that coalesce around 5G almost by coincidence. So we've got 5G, blockchain, edge compute, all coming together at a similar time, right? Is there something you envisage with 6G, like a number of other technical advancements that are, are, are colliding, if you will, in a similar time frame? Yes, there are many. So one of them, I just mentioned quantum computing. So it's one of the hearts people are studying. I study myself, quantum machine learning, the amalgamation between AI and quantum computing, plus IRS intelligence reflect surfaces. They are being studied now. There are so many uh, use cases and tested environments, proof of concept working, how you have one radio that the signal is reflecting in a one wall and the power of the signal is being controlled by that wall. Imagine huge buildings were on the street because the signal is being propagating and reflecting. You have a maximization of power and control. So that's amazing. You have also, as I said, light. Light communication will be also of great, great support. It's coming up, especially non-light, non-site communication of light. Okay, OWC. So we're going to see, for instance, Wi-Fi working as light. So many things to provide this ubiquitous network. I think we had a breakthrough this year and we've speculated and prophesized about what 5G will deliver. Everyone always says autonomous cars, autonomous cars, autonomous cars. I actually was in an autonomous car two weeks ago, powered by 5G in Las Vegas. And I was like, okay, it's here. And really the only commercial application of 5G today has been fixed wireless access. And then all of a sudden I'm in a driverless car, right? But the point is, for many years, we were speculating, dreaming, you can do this, you can do that. Do you have the same bank of visionary future use cases that 6G will enable? Are you thinking about them right now? Yes. Also, I saw a prototype very interesting at my university, our host university. 
under the supervision of my professor, Professor Prasad and Professor Albena, which is holographic type communication. This is amazing. So the challenges we have and have the opportunity to have holographic communication like Star Wars and the amount of a data you have to consolidate, understand, to create the metaverse to transmit and recreate in the other side. It's amazing. And this is the type of technology I'm looking forward to, to see it. When we look at 5G, it was a very, and when we look at 4G, and when we look at 3G, there was dreams about what each of them could do. But the reality of what they enabled was very different to the dreams we had. And when I look at the metaverse, I see something that's demand-driven whilst the technology is still being figured out. Whereas 5G, it was like, build it and they will come kind of mentality. So how do you think the metaverse itself will go to the next level with 6G? Going back to what you said about uh, the previous generations, right? There are uh, a period of maturity. So the technology needs to be mature enough. And also our society, everyone that invests in that tech or utilize that technology, will provide the answers. And we're going to see big change in the next three to four years on 5G. And this will create the foundation for the next level of solutions and use case on 6G. I can tell you, 2030, when 6G is ready, so we start rolling out. Not big things we're going to see from the five, the current 5G that will be existing at that time, okay, in the future. But in two, three years, we're going to see them, new chains. But I can tell you, probably holographic type communications will be one of the first new bones we're going to see it. And especially because we are living the era of prosumers. So we create, we are not just consumers anymore. We're going to have people use, they go in there and create new stuff, new generations of technologies to, to bring life. Now, and again, talking about previous Gs and previous, the process was always the um, FCC would go out to auction for the spectrum. The service providers would have to invest a lot of money like they did recently with C-band. Is 6G operating in that same model? That's a good point because now there are, that is a research. How to do the return over investment on 5G, for instance. And the same thing is being done now on 6G because people start looking where the money is, right? And I saw many interesting propositions, but I think 5G... Slowly we start giving answer. I'll give you some very concrete examples because we have 5G standalone. You can be a company that is not a telco and create 5G nowadays. I think this will be the future. We're going to have the big telcos, but also spectrum different flavors. And that is other things that is important in 6G that I forgot to mention. Let's see, because that's a dream to really have a 6G cognitive radio, a radio that can play in any spectrum. When you don't have 6G spectrum available, the radio can use temporarily another spectrum, right? And provide connectivity to the local users in the rural areas or remote areas and so on. Can use wide spaces, you so 
spaces that are frequencies that are not being used, but also all of this depend on regulatory. Other things that a colleague, a professor also mentioned recently in a conference I was in, in Munich was the possibility that we need to start thinking to have national roamings. When you don't have a specific a network covering a, a specific area, the other network must be able to give allow. the service, allow to roam. Yeah, yeah. But what about a satellite in that instance? Yes, satellite will play a big role and it's true. And especially constellations we are seeing out there talking about hundreds, thousands of constellations. I don't know how this control will be done but also provides uh, many uh, opportunities in areas that 5G or 4G or mobile broadband signals were not never reaching out. So it will be great now to see this and how the regulatory will be playing the, a big role on this. Because it's interesting because recently Apple and T-Mobile have been public about hookups with Starlink and satellites and Elon Musk was on Twitter talking about, you know, that. He's, he's providing that service in Ukraine right now and feels he should be getting a little bit more money. But you think satellites will come into the 6G equation as well? Again, like you said, based on regulatory allowances to utilize that frequency. Yes, for sure, for sure. Satellites will be a key players as well, especially to cover gaps in areas that where the mobile broadband signal could not reach. And they will continue being part of this. I think constellation satellites, there is no turn back. We're going to just see boosting, boosting. But I think people will start looking at this space and also the debris, how we can control that. I had opportunity to meet uh, one of Elon Musk's astronauts, Dr. C.L. Nell, and uh, the debate was, okay, so how they control all these debris and uh, how they can also foster more satellites to cover larger areas, and, but controlled in a good way. Again, when, we, when I've spoken to people, many people in the industry about 6G, they're always like, no, 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 I'm, I'm focused on 5G right now. I don't have the time to think about 6G. Have you started thinking about 7G? That's a good question. That's a good question. A friend of mine, so professor, uh, he just mentioned something in, the, in the, one of the last conferences I attend called Conoscence. Conoscence is a research area that stands for communication, navigation, sensing, and services, how to bring all together. And the focus was how to foster this on 6G. And he came up with this idea saying that he thinks 6G will be the last frontier. His name is Martine, Dr. Martine. He said he thinks that 6G will build a framework that all the next Gs will be just add-on. I think the service providers would like to hear that. To be with the total cost of ownership, return over investment, capex on opex, we have to operate in a way that is feasible. And also with cloud computing. Yeah, many things being done on cloud. And tell our listeners a little bit about your book, if you will, Paula. I know it's just been published, right? Yes. So my book, 6G, The Road to the Future Wireless Technologies 2030, I'm co-author with my professor, Professor Ranji Prasad who is my supervisor on my PhD that I'm doing in Denmark at Aarhus University. Yeah. And this book uh, I wrote during the pandemic, and we brought the main ideas, uh, the concept of 6G, and this book serves for everyone, not just for researchers, but people that are interested to look out what is the technology of tomorrow, what is coming up. 
And that's what we bring here. That's the consolidation, the synthesis. And more two books of those series are coming, which I'm uh, contributing with other professors as well. But this book was the first pandemic baby that bring the idea for us about 6G. And I'm very happy and uh, it's doing pretty well. Congratulations. Congratulations. And where can our listeners find out more about the book and, and, and about your work? So the book is published by Hever Publisher. Uh, everybody can Google 6G, the road to the future wireless technologies 2030. Paulo Sandro Buffini, he can Professor Ranjit Prasad. You can find the book in all digital outlets out there. Okay. So it's available both physically and also in digital version. Now, and before we finish... Paolo, I've really enjoyed our conversation. What is it you've seen here so far in FutureCom today that you've thought has been pretty cool? Or, or what are the differences you see in the Latin American market right now that you find quite exciting? For me, I'm really proud to be here in Sao Paulo in this town and see FutureCom booming. I will start seeing more slowly, but what really strikes me was as soon as I arrived here, I met two good friends of mine from old time engineering and they just great me in the future call is bringing people together to understand technology. And that's what it's great in the heart of Latin America. So that is no better place to be right now. Future call. That's well, listen, Paolo, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for joining our first ever our first ever Latin American podcast. And so this one will go down in history. I'm a flatterer and I'm honored to be here with you, Matt. And I hope to see you again soon. Thank you very much, Paolo. Brilliant. Thank you. So uh, my next guest here at FutureCon 2022, he's the creator, the father, if you will, of this wonderful event in Sao Paulo, Mr. Amano Pinto Jr. Welcome to The Great Indoors. Thank you very much, Matthew. It is a pleasure to be with you here. Just to point out that I am with FutureCon since the very first edition, when the name was not FutureCon, it was Semins, okay. International Seminar for Telecommunication. And the creator itself was an engineer from Telepar, from former Telebras. And then he invited several industry guys, and I was one of them. Since 2017, I assumed the position of the general director from FutureCom. And FutureCom is a big, let's say, get-together from the industry. And what we are seeing that in the, in the former times where it was a, a big get-together from the telecommunication industry, then we expanded to the, also to the IT industry. And today is for anybody that needs connectivity. So we have people here from health, healthcare, from industries, different industries, from uh, agriculture. Yes, they had a big meeting of our agricultural community with more than 30 people. So it's a great pleasure to be here with you. No, it's great. Look, and I, I think you already touched on some things there that I think is really unique. And before we get into that, we're at the cusp of huge technological change now. So you've been you know, at FutureCom right from its conception and you've seen how the industry has changed and evolved. But for you personally, over the last 12 months, what's been the biggest technological innovation that's personally touched you? In terms of technology, I think the application of uh, open architecture 
I think this is perhaps the biggest innovation that we are bringing into our network. Anything that's related with edge computing, central computing, distributed storage is bringing up a big opportunity for lots of uh, new players in the market. And this is causing the two main changes in the market are neutral hosts, a lot of neutral operators that are coming into the market, yeah, and also the corporate private network. I think this change on architecture, on the open architecture, is really bringing new players in the market, is opening opportunities for the connectivity users, and therefore we have this influx of lots of corporations here in the, in, in the show. I think there's a few things there that you've said, and, and, and in your opening as well. And I, I'm really interested to get your thoughts on this because I've been in the industry for 25 years or so, and we'd always focus on the features and functions and what was the next iteration of mobile telephony and we'd, we'd get, but I think since the pandemic, there is now, and I think I see it from everybody who's exhibiting, what are the outcomes of all this technology and how does it benefit society as a whole? And, and you mentioned it there, talking about agriculture and talking about how we can improve ports, how we can bridge the digital divide. Is that something that you see very prevalent here at Futurecom and in discussions you have? For sure. We have been having a lot of conversation with different areas of, uh, let's say, the government for municipalities, for states and even federal. And the digital divide is a big issue that we can solve via technology. And with the smaller things, not, not that you have a, to big a huge investment making a Astro City from the Jetsons, from the, as you may remember, yeah? We have uh, some cases here in the state of Sao Paulo, but also we are we were talking yesterday from North Brazil in, in Amazonia. When you bring digital citizenship, when we can give to the people that are in the middle of the Amazonas uh, forest, yeah? Uh, the possibility of having a birth certificate, to have documents, over digital, yeah, to place opportunities of education, to place opportunities. We are just discussing this. I don't know if you have already heard about PIX. PIX is a form, a payment form that you may pay on digital format via your smartphone. So this was introduced in Brazil two years ago, and this has expanded what we call the social banking in the biggest sense. All these things, yeah, are brought to the market via connectivity brought via this new technology that we are bringing in the market, into the market. And I think this is very important to us. Last year, Futurecom 2021, yeah, we, we did a, a metaverse. We had four islands there. One of the islands was bridging the digital divide. It was the focus of how to build smart cities, but not smart cities that really future lands. No, smart cities that are really good to bring a digital capacity and digital abilities for the population. You know, being the senior director of, you know, the creator of FutureCon, to see this movement of tech for good, improving the lives of people, how does that make you feel? Very happy. We have a, a, an actual social action here inside of FutureCon that's called Safrata. It's a NGO that bring people to the technical market. Yeah, so they give education, they give preparation, capacitation, yeah. And this is very important to us because when we talk about uh, here with, with our friends here in the, in, the, in the show, everyone says, we are missing about good professionals. We do have a real gap in good technicians. But you have lots of young people that are looking for jobs. This connection we can do, yeah. We, we, we have uh, here 
lots of uh, associations that are running such programs, yeah, not to give the first job opportunity for these young people in the technical area. And I think it's very important. No, it's enabling opportunities. And those opportunities then lend themselves to better outcomes for society. It's kind of at both ends, right, uh, from what you're seeing. And what do you think makes Brazil unique? I think that somebody once told that we are the land of opportunities with everlasting opportunities, yeah? Northeast, for example. Northeast is a, a part of Brazil that uh, is where the poverty is growing, yeah? it's higher, w- with a very kind people, with a, a nature that is blessed by God. We are seeing lots of new players like Brisanet, Intelecom. When you look five years ago, they didn't exist it, or they were quite small. Today, they are re- really very strong players and it's a big change in the market. And what do you think culturally? Here at Futricon, there's an energy, there's a passion, there's a warmth. And I was like, wow, this is something I do not see anywhere else in the world. Is that cultural side lends itself to that as well. Is, is that a distinct uniqueness about Brazil? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Everybody goes, comes here. Yeah. From all parts of Brazil. Some that are already working out of Brazil that they come for the show. Yeah. yeah. And then we meet and then, then discuss and we have also, how oh, you are now in this company, what, which solution you are bringing. Business are done doing a glass of beer. This is really something that is very important. When we organize the event, yes, say, hey, the content will go up to seven o'clock. Then the event will close at nine. I came out here from midnight. Yeah. Oh, really? I went to, after we had the talk with Reginaldo Leme here that was uh, promoted by, by, by Amdocs. It was a great guy. I went after that in six <laughs> happy hours here. Oh, really? I was running, running, running and all the people really happy. Yeah. As this brings, I think, the big difference, yeah? When we talk about collaboration, I sat on the panel and did a presentation on the metaverse earlier this week, which was great. And one of the things we talked about was, again, that collaborative aspect, but also bringing in policymakers, the government, the lawmakers, and not just the regulators, but actually the legislative functions, because technology is moving so quickly. We look at the metaverse as, as a good example. We look at what social media and the downsides of social media that we never anticipated. And still in the United States, the law, Section 230 of the uh, Communication Decency Act, it can't catch up. It's so far behind where technology is. Is there an opportunity to involve the legislators, the actual government, into a conference like Putricom so they can start thinking and anticipating what they need to do to protect society? For sure. This is very important. This year we are celebrating the 25th anniversary of the Brazilian LGT, the Brazilian Law for Telecommunication. Right. That enabled all this privatization process that we came through. And this law was, in the end of last year, updated with big impacts on the market. Like, for example, the ISP is growing, the possibility of of, uh, some non-incumbent buying 5G spectrum. 
So this was a big, this is a big change. And when we bring people here from the legislation, yeah, I think this is very important to show to them what is market changed. Yesterday I had a meeting with the, the Brazilian data protection agency, yeah, and we talk about artificial intelligence. Because today, when we look, and this was the topic there, we're talking to this to, to the agency, yeah, they asked me about how artificial intelligence will change the dynamics of data protection. So they are thinking about how an authority that has to deal with uh, deputy senators, they can talk about to prepare the laws to not put obstacles on this evolution, this normal evolution that the artificial intelligence will bring to the, the, to the markets that you will use this for data protection or not. So we're almost at the end of FutureCon 2022. So what are your takeaways from this year's event? And, and how will that shape what you're thinking about for 2023? One big topic is application is king. Everyone that's coming here that's looking for application for their own vertical, for their own business, yeah? So when we talk to these guys, they are looking for this. So we see lots of new brands running here throughout the, the show, from Volvo, Ford, to banks like Itaú, Bradesco, yeah. yeah? From uh, agricultural companies like John Deere and so on. They are running here looking for solutions, connectivity solutions, and also looking for partners because their expertise is the industry, the agriculture or something like that. We are, and we show, our show brings the, the expertise for technology, for connectivity. This partnership, this is very important. And as I said before, application is king. So this is number one. Number two, I think this is also very important to us that lots of investors are coming, looking for the opportunities. We have here lots of investment funds running, looking for these opportunities, this and that. And we have also a move for mergers acquisitions in Brazil by, by now with the ISPs. We have more than 9.8,000 ISPs in 5,000 cities. Yeah. So, so as we get into the end now, uh, Hermano, and I've really enjoyed our conversation. Give me your big prediction for the next 10 years. What do you think is going to be the big thing? Because if we turn the clock back 10 years. We were just getting into the world of LTE and 4G. We hadn't envisaged things like Uber or TikTok or DoorDash or what that would do for us. If we look forward 10 years now and we like to speculate and we like to dream, what would be your dream? When we, we look at the move from 5G to 5G, you're looking for a more personal and interactive internet where all your feelings can also go through the bits. We will talk about this because uh, there is issues about ethics, issues about morality. But I think this is a, a big move that we will do. We have uh, many conversations with uh, TikTok, why all these guys that are running short videos, short contents and so on. And we see how the youngsters really interact in the market via a game like a metaverse or something like Roblox and yeah. things like this. Front liners, yeah. We have here also some uh, some companies that have brought lots of things about e-games, yeah, e-sports. You know? Yeah. In the future, I think this interactivity via digital, we will continue to grow. But then I see really that this interactivity via the internet, via the digital means, yeah, we will continue to grow. When we, I look, and FutureCon is a strong focus on B2B, that the big issue in 10 years are 
safer industries, uh, more secure uh, interactions, more predictive behaviors in the machines. I think this is what I look for the future to have really big opportunities in the market to be to be to be followed up. And when I talk about this, uh, we have mining industry, we have the chemical industry that really unsafe or or, or dangerous uh, industries. Yeah, and there. I think there is there will be a, a big change, and this brought to connectivity, brought through automation, brought through security. It's amazing. It's poetic. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us uh, today. I've really enjoyed our conversation. It's been fantastic. Well, that's it. That's your lot for TGI in 2022, and what a year! What a year it's been. We'd never thought we'd finish it in Brazil. But after 22 episodes in total this year with some just incredible guests, uh, and I need to thank every single one of them. And what was even better this year, now that COVID is in the rearview mirror, we met many of them in person, many that we had recorded over the typical podcasting software, such as Erin Brockovich, we met in Toronto, Dr. Margaret Honey in New York, and we recently met Kyan Krippendorf in New Orleans. To add to all of that, we recorded 10 episodes, three days in Las Vegas with over 25 guests. And we finished in style with those wonderful Sao Paulo Futurecom episodes in Brazil. Who would have believed it? So we'll kick off 2023 in Barcelona. Stay tuned, big news. But this will be a fantastic kickoff to season six. And if you were late to the party and have missed everything that we've done so far, check out amdocs.com forward slash the great indoors for more information, back episodes and videos associated with TGI. Actually, we're just putting out a new history of TGI video, all the highlights and most profound and funny statements from all our guests over the past three years. I want to say thank you to the production teams, Quill, our marketing teams, FMI, Penknife and LPAD Toronto. I want to say thank you to the GSMA for everything they've done for us this year. I want to say thank you to Gil Rosen, our CMO at Hamdocs, who's continually supported this show. And I want to say a big thank you to Larissa Gee and Lorraine Rooley, our producers, and Larissa, who's been with TGI since its conception and is as much a part of this show as I am. So with that, I'd like to wish you all a happy holidays, a happy Hanukkah, a Merry Christmas, Happy winter solstice, whatever it is that you will be celebrating in this festive period. But for now, I'm Matthew Robertson, Sao Paulo, and in the words of the legendary Chris Rea, I'm driving home for Christmas. Well, I'm actually, I'm I'm flying actually, but uh, you can still listen to that song. So I'm signing off for 2022, and I'll see you next time, wherever you are.